0: Welcome to the Proud Rural Teacher podcast hosted by the School of Education at the University of Wisconsin-Platteville. The Proud Rural Teacher podcast focuses on sharing inspiring stories of education in rural areas. With each episode, we'll provide context, resources, and contact information for you to take these great ideas back to your communities. I'm your host, Jessica Broglie. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the official position of the School of Education or the University of Wisconsin-Platteville. It's no secret that Wisconsin is facing a teacher shortage. This episode features an alliance of rural schools in Wisconsin who have banded together to recruit and attract teachers. The school districts of Cambridge, Lodi, Sauk Prairie, and Wisconsin Heights were awarded a $264,000 workforce innovation grant from the state of Wisconsin to implement a multi-layered approach to helping alleviate their workforce problem. In this episode, you're meeting the district administrator from Wisconsin Heights, Dr. Jordan Sins, middle school, high school principal, and grant administrator, Elizabeth Dostal, and a grant recipient, student teacher and future agriculture and technology education teacher, Abby Kukin. In this episode, you'll learn how these four districts have created a multi-layered approach and how it's already benefiting others. Districts like Cambridge, Lodi, Sauk Prairie, and Wisconsin Heights are setting a new trend. Competitive teacher recruitment needs to be part of your district's hiring strategies. Listen to this episode to hear how they created the Grow Cooperative, and be sure to check our show notes for links. Thanks for speaking with me this morning, District Administrator Sins. Let's talk about Wisconsin's teacher shortage. How has that impacted your school district?
1: Yeah, well, there's certainly a few ways that come to mind immediately. Um, I would say that as we've posted positions over the last uh, five or six years, we have seen uh, the pool in terms of the number of candidates uh, continue to get smaller and smaller. I mean, elementary positions where earlier in my career, it would not be unusual to get, you know, 50 to 75, if not more applicants. Uh, At this point, we're probably seeing around 15-ish applicants for like an elementary position, uh, some of the harder to fill areas, uh, special education, um, you know, CTE type uh, positions. Uh, we'll be lucky if we have two or three uh, certified candidates. And in one instance, uh, business education actually, uh, we had a teacher leave mid-year uh, and we posted that position. We're unable to fill it uh, for the remainder of that school year. And then actually we're unable to fill it for the next year as well. Um, So our district has actually been working with uh, Madison College and any business ed courses that our students want to take, uh, they're having to take through Madison College uh, because, yeah, we basically went a year and a half without being able to to find a business ed teacher. Um, One thing I will say, though, I mean, the the pool has definitely gotten tighter. uh, But one thing that we've seen as a district, and I don't know that if this is, you know similar in other districts, but we've actually seen um, an uptick in applicants with experience from other districts uh, who have applied to work in Wisconsin Heights. So you know, we maybe are only getting 15 to 20 elementary ed uh, applicants at this point compared to 75 or 100 uh, years ago. But at the same time, uh, we're getting a handful of applicants that have, you know, relatively significant experience in other districts. Um, And I think a lot of that's probably in this post-Act 10 world that we're living in. A lot of the um, post-employment benefits have gone away in districts. So those incentives to stay in a place for, you know, 25, 30 years really don't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of teachers uh, who have experience are willing to consider other options, uh, maybe looking for a better fit, uh, hoping that maybe they can get a salary increase uh, by virtue of moving. Um, so that has been an interesting phenomenon that I don't know that I would have predicted, you know, years ago. And certainly um, it's made for some interesting situations, though, uh, because, yeah, when you have a handful of, of new candidates interviewing against someone that has 10 years of experience, uh, that's certainly a challenging situation for someone that's right out of college. Because of the, you know, experience factor and then just the shortage in general, I would say the other pieces, we're certainly paying more. We've had to be pretty aggressive with increasing our starting pay the last couple of years uh, for even staff members with no experience. Uh, But then, if we are able to hire um, individuals with experience, um, you know, instead of hiring someone at the bottom of the salary schedule, we're potentially hiring someone that's in the middle to the top end of the salary schedule because they're coming to us with 10 or 15 years of experience and oftentimes a master's degree as well. And then, I think the other Part that really um, the shortage and the the impact of the lack of candidates, uh, we've had to step up our game in terms of branding, in terms of uh, HR, in terms of how we promote our district, what we do on social media. Um, so, I to me that's an area that public schools probably weren't real good at years ago. Um, but for those of us that are trying to basically stay competitive and stay attractive. Um, for teachers that are out looking, uh, we feel a great sense of ownership as a district to make sure that um, the image that we're putting out, the information that we're putting out, um, it looks good. It looks professional. It looks polished because we know people are shopping. Um, and as much as we're looking for them, uh, they're they're shopping around and deciding which district they may want to work in. So I think that's another thing that, you know, maybe is an unintended consequence and that people wouldn't have uh, predicted. Uh, but to me, that's definitely apparent at this point is we've had to up our game.
0: You know, I started teaching 20 plus years ago, school communications, PR, marketing, that wasn't a position. And now uh, it, it is definitely, if it's not a position in a district, it's an absolute shared responsibility. Uh, you've also done some work to take matters into your own hands in, in recruitment. Uh, talk to me about the Grow Cooperative.
1: Yeah, well, so at the most basic level, uh, the Girl Cooperative is a partnership uh, between our district, Wisconsin Heights, Sauk Prairie, uh, which we share a border with, uh, Lodi, which is one district over from Sauk Prairie, and then the Cambridge School District as well, uh, which is a little bit further away from the rest of the group, but also shares a lot of similarities in terms of being a rural district um, and and struggling to find a, a large pool of candidates. So the most basic sense uh, that's the that's the Grow Consortium, um, but kind of how did this come to be? Um, I was trying to finish my dissertation in um, 2019, 2020, and it just so happened that we had a pandemic, and um, life changed a lot, and I decided that was my sign that I needed to finish, um, so I really poured myself into uh, my dissertation at that time, and my topic was actually teacher staffing trends in rural schools in Wisconsin. So that research uh, led me down a path of really trying to find innovative or creative ways to do something about the issue. I interviewed superintendents, I looked at a lot of data and there's clearly an issue in rural schools. Uh, There's also a large issue in urban schools as well for what it's worth. Uh, But in rural schools in this context, uh, both the data and superintendents uh, lived experience would say that there's a problem. Being someone that really doesn't like to just sit back and and accept things, um, I decided, we decided as a district, we were going to try to do something about it. We analyzed research as a part of our process in trying to get the grant off the ground, and and the research was strong in the fact that individuals that attend uh, high school and that grow up in rural communities are more likely to want to come back to rural communities. And then from a teaching standpoint, they're also more likely to stay uh, because we don't just have a recruitment issue, we have a retention issue. So we decided as we were trying to get the Grow Cooperative off the ground uh, that we were going to target our own students in our rural communities and try to incentivize them entering into the profession and then incentivize them staying in the profession, uh, but then in our rural communities. Um, So at that time, uh, myself and then our principal, Liz Dostal, kind of came up with the idea of trying to partner uh, with schools in our region uh, that were rural as well. And that we thought had kind of an innovative mindset and would understand of what we're trying to do and want to be proactive like we were. And that's what led us down the path of Sauk Prairie, uh, Lodi and Cambridge. And really with the program uh, and our cooperative, uh, we have kind of a threefold, I would say, approach to trying to stimulate the pipeline, get kids into our districts and hold on to them. So one part of the approach is trying to get more uh, field experience for our existing high school students. So doing some job shadowing and working with our teachers as juniors and seniors and really promoting that as an option. And then the second part is a scholarship program. And for there's scholarships for seniors who are then leaving high school and going into college that are $1,000 scholarships. There's $2,000 scholarships um, for students that are like sophomore, junior status in college. And then there's actually a $10,000 scholarship available for Uh, junior, senior status, students who are in the field of ed uh, in their program of study and will be student teaching in like the next year. Uh, So this year we actually funded in the fall, we funded our first uh, five $10,000 scholarships, which was an awesome awesome experience. Um, The students from our districts were obviously incredibly grateful. Uh, $10,000 is is pretty substantial. Um, Mm -hmm. So they really appreciated that. Uh, We got some positive publicity. We had Governor Evers here at Wisconsin Heights uh, for a press conference, which for us was a big deal um, and really was was a celebration. And then the third piece of trying to promote uh, education and getting kids kind of a foot in the door earlier is we're trying to get students uh, school of ed credits while they're still in high school. Um, So at this point, we've added, I believe, three or four courses uh, to our respective course handbooks at each of the four districts. And this will provide uh, students up to 12 credits potentially um, through early college options while they're still in high school. Uh, so they could enter into uh, their university of choice uh, with 12 credits already done in a school of education.
0: That is fantastic. So the first round of awards came out this fall, correct? Correct. And where did you find funding to make this happen?
1: Yep. Um, so we wrote a uh, The Department of Workforce Development uh, put out a grant opportunity year four, they called it a Workforce Innovation Grant. I mentioned Liz Dostell, our middle school, high school principal here at Wisconsin Heights. Uh, She's a very skilled writer. Uh, She has experience in writing grants. Um, So Liz and I collaborated on getting that started. And then to our partner districts, what we really offered them was a grant application that was basically complete. Um, We just needed them to sign on and say yes, uh, which they did, thankfully. Um so we applied for that DWD grant and we found out in June uh, of last year that we were funded for $264,000. Um so that $264,000 uh, has served as kind of our seed money and then each of our respective districts uh, has committed uh, approximately $22,000 in our budget for the next 2 years to then keep this going for at least like the next 5 or 6 years. The hope, the vision is that we experience success, uh, that we're able to bring, uh, grow graduates back to our districts and we have good experiences. Our school board sees the value in this, our community sees the value in this, and that we're then able as districts to continue to fund the program, uh, because yes, between the scholarships and the early college credits, uh, there is an investment that the districts need to make. Uh, But that's another thing that once again came out in the research, is schools really have not done a whole lot historically, uh, in terms of investing dollars and talent, we had this captive pool that just came to us. And that's not the case anymore. Uh, the private sector has been spending money to invest in employees for a long time through paid internships and other things. And it's probably time that education comes around, uh, because we don't have the pool that we used to have.
0: And with that, he enlisted in the help of middle school high school principal, Elizabeth Dostell, as she had significant grant writing experience tell me uh your experience with grant writing and why uh you decided to take this on because no doubt uh grant writing is a massive undertaking on top of everything you're already doing right uh, yes. <laughs> and it consumes several hours of your days and nights talk about that
2: uh so before I was a um high school principal I was a director of instruction in a different district and um I worked with a grant writer in that district and we would co-write grants for um, Department of Defense. And so she helped teach me how to write a good grant. And since that time, I've been writing grants on my own for the districts that I've been in. Um, I've been reading grants for the Department of Education at the federal level since the early 2000s. So whenever they have a call for peer reviewers, I will answer the call. And if I'm selected, I read grants for them. Um, So I like to do that process because you get to see what's going on in different parts of the country. What are some trends in different uh, educational settings? And then it always gives me the opportunity then to come back to my own district and apply what I've learned. So that's my background and interest in that. Uh, In regard to this current grant that we have from the Department of Workforce Development, Workforce Innovation Grant, um, my district administrator was uh, writing his dissertation and I was his editor and his topic of his dissertation was teacher retention and quality and when the Wisconsin Innovation Grant Program application was released, I said we should apply because this is exactly what your dissertation was about so and that's what we did. And how difficult was it to write? Um, I'm still in contact with the grant writer that I used to work with and version 12 was the winner.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That gives me an idea. (laughs) Uh, so, uh, certainly well worth it as, uh, students are already, or future teachers, pre-service educators are already benefiting, uh, from your hard work and innovative spirit. How is the grant, um, managed?
2: So, I am serving as the grant uh, director or project manager. Um, And we started, we were awarded the grant in uh, July. And we offered our first scholarship, which was five $10,000 scholarships to teacher candidates that were graduating either in December of 2022 or May of 2023. And so, though we sent applications out to all schools of ed within Wisconsin um, and asked them to advertise to students who were pre-service teachers who were going to either be student teaching in, in the fall or student teaching in the spring. Um, we did prioritize uh, students who had graduated from one of the grow districts, but we also prioritized certain certifications because we knew that there were certain things that we did need Looking ahead to this spring of 2023 hiring season. Um, So, we had 62 applicants that first round in August from all over the state. And we ended up awarding four of those five scholarships to alumni of Wisconsin Heights, Lodi, and Sauk Prairie. school districts. And then we had one applicant that we, she is a Fort Atkinson alumni, but she is uh, majoring in agriculture education. And one of our districts in our cooperative knew they're going to need an ag teacher this spring. So we made the decision to award her the fifth scholarship
0: one more recap, how, what is the division of awards? Because you you do give some for uh, what I would consider underclassmen. uh, And then it kind of goes up from there. Uh, Talk about that, that scale, but then also um, the expectation of giving back in those later years.
2: Yeah. So um, each high school in our, in our consortium, which is Lodi, Sauk Prairie, Cambridge high school and Wisconsin Heights high school. Um, is going to offer one senior scholarship for a uh, senior who is declared major in education, and that's thousand dollars. And then we offer ten alumni of our high schools, renewable educational scholarships, and those are two thousand dollars each. And then, um, on this next round, which is we're currently in process on, we are going to offer seven. $10,000 scholarships. Wow. So we just, so like right now, I'm taking applications from high school seniors and from current college students who are in their third through sixth semesters of college work. And then we are opening next week the, the $10,000 application again. And we're we'll pick seven across the state for that, so.
0: And the expectation for those seven?
2: That um, when they are on the job market, they will be um, asked to apply to our member districts. And if they uh, inter- are interviewed and offered a contract that they accept the contract with one of the member districts.
0: Excellent. So it brings those teachers back, right? Yes. Keeps yes. them there. <laughs> yes, it does. How, um, and how many years do they have to stay with that district? Three, three years. Mm -hmm. Yep. So how will the Alliance continue to be funded? Obviously the grant was kind of your starter money. I assume, how does this continue? So as part of our, uh,
2: part of writing a grant, you always have to be able to articulate how you're going to maintain this program once grant funding ends We started with the intent to use the grant money as seed money. And at the same time that we are starting the program, each partner district is committing around $12,000 every six months into a savings account. And so by the end of the grant period, we will have saved almost the entire amount of the grant award. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to be able to continue the program in the post grant period because we've, we just continue to save this money out of our operating budgets Mm -hmm. and then uh, put it into a savings account. So um, it's going to be funded going forward. And it could be, it just can be, once you get it, (laughs) once you get it, uh, a expense in a school district budget and it's accepted and it's just part of doing business, then it's not as difficult Mm -hmm. going forward. It was selling each superintendent or district administrator talked to their board about the program and why it was help, why it was needed. And, um, that this teacher shortage is real and we were going to need quality candidates going forward. And this is one way to at least guarantee us candidates every spring Mm -hmm. when we're hiring. Mm -hmm. Um, so the boards all consented to, yep, we're going to donate about $24,000 every year into this cooperative and, uh, will have access to teacher candidates. The other long-term piece of this is that we are partnering with UW-Whitewater to offer 12 credits of early college credit educational classes in each of our high schools. So they'll be online, um, but they'll be able to take like the human development class or um, child mm-hmm. development psychology class mm-hmm. and uh, special education required classes things that are transferable to any UW institution and most private schools um, for schools of education so that they can get some experience and also volunteer in classrooms um, while they're still in high school so that they get that taste of whether they like teaching and what teaching looks like from the backside because they've only experienced it from the front side. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And so many people don't realize there's a whole backside that goes on in education. um, And they're shocked when they see it. Mm -hmm. And so to me, it's really important for our senior, well, our high school students and for students going into the field to understand it looks different when you're the teacher. And so that you don't get someone who gets into it and like, Oh God, this is not what I thought it was. <laughs> so the sooner we can give them those experiences, in my opinion, the better, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. cause then you really get people who, oh, okay, this is what I thought it was. And this is what I like about it mm-hmm. versus, Oh my God,
0: no. <laughs> I would also think that getting them started in high school and developing that appreciation and connection for their their own district, their roots, mm-hmm. further supports the idea of them returning back to their, you know, their home home school to uh, teach.
2: Yeah, and I think home region. So like right now we have one of our scholarship winners who's an alumni of our district is, is interning with us in our elementary school, but she's teaching at the same grade level as her mom. <laughs> 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 Little and she's she's like it's wonderful cuz she's learning you know in the situation she's learning a great deal but sh- like she said you know i'm glad that i'm going to be able to go to one of the other three districts because i need to also get my own independence mm-hmm. in my own classroom you know at a different grade level mm-hmm. and so the nice thing about it is yeah she can teach at soccer Lodi or Cambridge and she satisfies the the contract and she gains that three years of experience. Mm -hmm. So, but she's still in the region she wants to be in.
0: That's great. It seems like such a holistic approach with regards to starting early, wrapping around the student before they graduate and then further supporting them as they begin their undergraduate um, with the potential for, you know, a really outstanding support in, in the home stretch when, when money is incredibly tight, uh-huh. Let's end this episode with a grant recipient perspective. Abby Kukin is one of the recipients of the $10,000 Grow scholarship. Uh, I think it's important that you hear firsthand from her how this scholarship has impacted and propelled her into the home stretch of her undergraduate career. Be sure at the end of this episode to look back at our show notes at proudruralteacherpodcast.com for some helpful links. All right, Abby, uh, thank you for meeting with me today. You're a pre-service educator in your last semester of college. Uh, Let's talk about where you're from and where did you go to school?
3: So I am from Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin. So I graduated uh, K through 12. I went there Um, and then I chose UW-Platteville for my studies. So now I am just getting over the hump. I'm a student teaching in Lodi right now. And I'm super excited to get out in the classroom.
0: And what are your certifications going to be?
3: I will be duly certified to teach agriculture as well as tech ed uh, from birth to 21.
0: The Girl Alliance came up on your radar. How did you find out about this opportunity?
3: So as a college student, you get about a million emails a day. So usually you just swipe through them. But also as a college student, when you see something that says free money, you open it. (laughs) <laughs> um, so I was scrolling through my emails and the school of education had actually sent it out, um, because I was doing my pre-student teaching in Lodi. So they kind of knew I was in this area and they sent it to me and I was like, okay, like never hurts to fill out an application. I've always looked at it. Like if you fill up if you work an hour on an application, they give you 250 bucks, that's $250 an hour you just made. Like, mm-hmm. um, so when I see ten thousand dollars flash on my screen, I'm like, working hard on that. Yeah. <laughs> and then they were interested, so I was, I just, yeah, just kept going with it.
0: So you, you know, you waited and you found yeah. out you received it. What was your reaction to winning the ten thousand so dollar
3: scholarship? I was driving. So I live in Lodi right now with my fiance. Um, while I'm student teaching, and I was pre student teaching at the time. So we were actually driving back to my parents' house in Fort Atkinson and we're driving down Main Street and my watch goes off and, you know, I get my emails on my watch, look at it and I like almost crashed my car on Main Street because (laughs) I was like, it said congratulations and it said like the grow email on it and I was absolutely shocked um, because you never know the person that wins the big scholarships. Like it's never you, it's never your best friend. So that it was me was like an absolute shock to me and that someone wanted to invest like in me becoming a teacher for them was amazing.
0: What does the $10,000 mean for you?
3: First of all, going to college, I never knew how I was going to pay off my student debt. I was, um, I took the loans and I took the, as many scholarships as I could. But obviously, most people nowadays, especially with the price of college, you don't graduate debt free. And that's just the reality. Um, and this took my student debt to under $10,000, which was like, That's a quarter of my schooling that I paid for basically. Mm -hmm. So having, especially again, these four schools that said, Hey, we believe in you. We would like you to stay in this profession and to invest in you was super amazing. Like something that I could have never asked for. And I'm so thankful for them.
0: And how's your time at Lodi been?
3: I absolutely love my kids. I love being in the classroom. You get to a point when you're in college, and you just kind of get this burnout. Like, I'm never going to make it to the classroom. So now that I'm there every day, it's like, I I know that that's where I'm supposed to be. So.
0: And it's great to see you reach the end of your undergrad, knowing that you've been supported uh, and folks have wrapped around you.
3: So. Yeah, absolutely. And thoughts that you'd want to share? Um, I just want to give a shout out to all of the UW Platteville people and all the teachers that have gotten me this far. Obviously, I didn't get here by myself. I had to have a lot of strong guidance. So I appreciate all of the people out there that supported me, not only with the GROW Alliance, but all of the educators that got me this far.
0: So the Workforce Innovation Grants were originally set up as a one-time investment using funding from the Federal American Rescue Plan Act. According to the Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation, Governor Evers, however, proposed investing $100 million in state funds in another round of Workforce Innovation Grants. But because budget deliberations are currently ongoing, it's too hard to tell at this point if future funding will be available. So stay tuned for that. Please check back at our show notes at proudruralteacherpodcast.com for relevant links to the Grow Cooperative and the Workforce Innovation Grants. Proud Rural Teacher Podcast is hosted by the School of Education at the University of Wisconsin-Platteville. The theme music was created by agriculture and technology education major Calvin Coldren. Be sure to subscribe to the PRT podcast and visit us online at proudruralteacherpodcast.com. And if you have an episode suggestion or feedback, please leave us a speak pipe message on our website. Thanks for listening.